What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 67.2, and we are continuing our playthrough of Radiant Historia. Today I have with me Matt. Hello, hello. And yeah, getting kind of interesting here. We'll get into it. Uh, truth be told, I feel like I didn't make much progress in this game as far as the story goes, but there's a few things that happened that kept me from getting very far, if that makes any sense. So, the last thing I remember talking about last week was the fact that we were doing the standard timeline and we made it to Grand Org. And we were supposed to meet up with our informant there. Uh, I had not met up with the informant because I was in, I was then invited to, uh, the possible timeline by, uh, Nemesia. So the first thing I did was do start doing the possible timeline. So this is played out a little bit differently. Uh, as I said in the last episode, it seems to be optional. Um, you will receive a quest from her, and then you say, okay, I want to do this quest, and then she will transport you to a, a universe in the possible timeline. So she explains to Stock that this isn't a third timeline. Where she is is basically an entire universe of timelines. So almost like a dungeon? Uh no. This is let's let's imagine so we're on a ship, right? Her ship then turns into basically like a it's almost like rogue galaxy spaceships where it looks like a pirate ship but you're in space. Yeah, a pirate ship that has no business floating around in space exposed to the lack of atmosphere. Exactly. So She's like, hey, you see all these stars? Every single one of these stars in this universe is a possible timeline. And so we're not going to be traveling to a timeline where this... We're not traveling to just one timeline. We're going to multiple universes. So does that mean you're not traveling to a timeline... In which you can help solve puzzles with the other two timelines, but you can't interact with them from this other timeline? I want to say that's correct. Because, and I will get into it, the first timeline that we go to, the first, let's say the first universe that we go to, we show back up where we make the decision to either go with Rosh or stay with Heiss. The decision is still, do you want to join my brigade by Rosh? But Rosh is actually now the general. And he says, I'll make you first lieutenant in my army. And uh, when we go back and we're going through the hallway and that one guy attacks us and he turns to sand after we beat him. Yep. Um. That guy is holding an artifact. 
And when we beat him, we then take the artifact from him and he turns back to normal. And he's like, oh, I have no idea what was going on. Something, something must be up with me. I'm so sorry. So this timeline, Rosh is now the general. We, I don't even know what happened to Hugo at this point. Um, but when we get the artifact, when, once Stock gets his hands on the artifact, he immediately jumps back to the ship with Nemesia. So you get a glimpse of other universes. Now, I, I think this is multiple different universes. It may very well be the same universe. It's just we're jumping in time for it. But the way she described it was every star in the sky is a universe and you know, it has something, every, everything is, could be completely different. Hmm. So how do you think it's going to then affect the rest of the game? If it's not a timeline, you can sort of switch between, is it purely for say rounding out the characters and character development and what, you know, what else they might've aspired to, or do you think it ties directly into the story somehow that I don't know yet, but I think it is there to give more backstory to characters. Um, cause I'll put it this way. I mean, I can go ahead and just tell you what I did in the possible timeline. So there was three artifacts that I got. So here's what happens. You play the game through the standard and alternate timelines at certain points. When you go to a save spot, it'll pop up saying, Nemesia has a new quest for you. She's found a new artifact for you to track down. And then you go back to Historia, then go to Nemesia, and she gives you the quest to to then find the new artifact. Um, doing so basically gives you a very small glimpse. You, you're basically like, oh, I remember this, but it's different. Um, so the second quest that she gives me... You have to get an artifact from the guy who was leading the 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 horned guy who was leading the uh, the entertaining uh, troop. Oh yeah, one of the heroes. Yeah. yeah, and it's whenever you first save them. So instead of uh, a bunch of tigers or, or some kind of beast surrounding the girl that joins your party eventually. It's actually a guy with a bomb, and it's a guy that I feel like he was in the game earlier on. He looks like a regular soldier, but and Kostak mentions him by name and says, this isn't like him. Why is he doing this? So uh, he's holding uh, Oct or whatever her family, I guess, hostage with a bomb. And uh, we're like, okay, we got to stop him. And we're like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, I want to take their horns. He's like a poacher in this world. <laughs> and he's like, their horns sell for a lot of money. And he's like, stay back or I'm going to blow up this bomb and kill us all. And we're like, okay, well, we have, what should we do? If we rush in or do we hold back and try to talk him out of it? Uh, if you rush in, it, it, kaboom, game over. Um, but if you decide to hold back, you see one of those tiger beasts roaming around. They said, hey, we could probably lure that thing to attacking him and get him away from the bomb. So they say, well, how do we do that? Well, let's, maybe we have some bait or something like that. We need to get some meat. So you then leave that possible node 
go back to the timeline, the standard timeline where you killed the boar and got some meat instead of taking it back to the, the, the family for dinner, mm-hmm. you then stop by a node, take that meat to the possible timeline. Throw so, the meat. so that's interesting. You, you think you can, you, you can't bring things from the impossible or the possible timeline back to the regular timelines, but you can do it the other way. Uh, you can probably bring stuff back. Oh, so they can interact with each other then in the, sort of the normal timeline kind of way. Yes and no, but I don't think I don't think anything that I do in this possible timeline will affect the other timelines. Mm. So I can bring stuff from the standard and alternate timelines, but I don't think I it, it to help solve a puzzle in the possible timeline, but I don't think anything I do in the possible timeline will have repercussions in the standard or alternate timelines if that makes any sense yeah so they can interact but you think they'll just be superficial interactions exactly uh so we lure uh the monster toward the guy with the bomb he runs off we save the troop uh and uh the guy who hold, who is the leader of the troop he gives us the artifact that he has been holding uh, it's like a pot or something like that but it has like these artifacts supposedly have hold great power and can help stop the desertation of the world so so presumably these have to have some uh there has to be some kind of point to all of this beyond the character development you know i guess but i have not ran into it yet Presumably, once you get all these artifacts, something will happen, right? I'm, I'm guessing maybe a, maybe a possible third ending might happen. Uh, the third, and this is later on after I've played through some more, the third possible timeline thing is possibly the most interesting. Um, and it has me traveling to an alternate timeline where... Um, we're back in Alistair and uh, we get a mission from Rosh. No, we get a mission from, it, it, we, I don't know who the mission's from. It, it's a, it's a informant comes up to uh stock and rainy and he's like, all right, you have a mission here. It is. Um, we have to do this fast. Um, the mission is to stop an assassination. Who's the target? The target is the prophet Noah. Oh, shit. Not only is that it, so everybody knows that General Hugo is the only one that goes and talks to the prophet Noah. And he speaks for the prophet the prophet Noah in this universe just comes right on out and shows himself to the world and talks to everyone. So he is out there giving a speech with General Hugo standing next to him. And all the people are surrounding him listening to his speech. Uh, and also, funny fun fact, uh, he he was one of the guys who started the uh, the kingdom of Alistair. Um Alistair, excuse me. And um 
he's supposed to be like 90 years old and he looks like he's maybe 50. Fountain of youth. Maybe. I don't know. But he's there giving his speech and we say, all right, it's probably going to happen right now. So we need to stop this assassination. So we're looking for vantage points. We go up to the, where, uh, Lieutenant, uh, is it Lieutenant Commander Raul? Yeah. We go up there. He's looking out the window. Stock, uh, says, uh, hey, uh, how's Rosh's arm doing? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, he's got that metal arm on his, uh, left hand. He's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And he's like, haha, it's on his right hand. And Raul would know that, so who are you? And then he takes off, he takes off this, like, magical, uh, veil, and it's actually an assassin. So we fight him. And we defeat him, and we get the artifact that allowed him to transform into whoever he wanted. When I get, but like you get to use it. See, that's the thing. I'm giving them to Nemesia. So, Uh, so when I get a hold, when I get a hold of the of the artifact, it's almost like quantum leap, or we're leaping right now back to Nemesia. Yeah. And she gives us stuff, you know, like uh, money or different types of items every time we finish a quest. Uh, also, I should mention that Nemesia, uh, like, and I find it weird because in these alternate timelines, as well as another thing that I'll talk about in a minute, I've still got all of my party members with me, even though they're not time traveling with me. <laughs> and I find that strange. It's strange because other places in the game, they very much do isolate you, and then you have to do specific fights by yourself. Yeah. I guess it's just, it's a video game. What do you expect? Yeah, it seems weird that they would sometimes follow that rule and sometimes not, though. Yeah. So, um, those are the three that I've done from the possible timeline, uh, to which I was like, oh, they're actually showing the Prophet Noah here. And, you know, I, I guess giving a little bit more backstory into it, uh, Prophet Noah, uh, is speaking of Granorg is actually full of good people and it's the, the, the reign of the queen who is doing, you know, ruining the land. And queen like, Protea? Yeah. And he's like, uh, we, that's why we're having this war. We're trying to take out the regime so that we can save the people of Grand Org. So he seems like he's on the up and up. At least in this timeline he does. So uh, those are the three that I did for the possible timeline. To which I have, I mean, it's it's a great diversion. They only last, it's, it's maybe two cut scenes and then a boss fight so far. Is what they are. So they're not very long. It's not like I'm traveling or anything like that. It's mainly just a cutscene or maybe run here. Like I had to run up to Raul's office to stop the assassin. That was about it. Yeah, I wonder. Do you think it's enough to where it's going to change how leveled you'll be at certain points in the game? There's another thing that's definitely going to change. And I think this thing's exclusive. I'm pretty sure it's exclusive to the the 3DS Perfect Chronology version. 
And when I come back from the first time I did a possible timeline thing, uh, Lipty and, um, what's the other guy's name? T.O. T.O. They tell me that, uh, there's another guy in Historia that needs my help. And I'm like, who is it? And he said, you need to go to the Vault of Time. So I go to the Vault of Time, which is another part of Historia, and there is a curator there. And he says, I need some help. He says, uh, every creature, monster, and enemy that has ever existed in the world is kept here. And they have escaped. So I need you to go through the halls of the Vault of Time and put them back in their place. That sounds fun. So you go through a bunch of hallways and fight enemies. And it's not endless, but it's basically like going through the Persona 3 and 4 dungeons, and 5 technically, where you just keep climbing and climbing and climbing. Yeah. The cool. And that's the whole, that's a commission? No, that is, that is, I can, I can come back here anytime I want to and do this. Keep clearing out floor by floor? Yeah. Gaining a tons of experience and not gaining money but gaining these items, right? Uh, it's not, it, it's, it's a currency that's used in the vault of time. So here's the thing. I clear out a few rooms, right? I go back to the curator and I can trade in the item, the, the, the currency that I have for items that he has in his inventory. Uh, like, like normal items, like health potions and stuff like that? Not just that. Weapons and armor, too. Oh, shit. That I don't think you can find anywhere else in the game. Yeah, I feel like there's not a ton of options for equipment so far. And I feel like I... Because maybe it's just because we keep bouncing back and forth between timelines. And the number of different locations isn't that big. You know, you see them under different circumstances. But, you know, you're either in the Sand Fortress or Grand Org or... Alistel. Yeah. It's not, you know, there's not that many different locations to which you'd get better equipment. So, you know, any new equipment would probably be welcome in this game, I think. Yeah. So, what's the really great thing? And the, here's, there's a caveat to it. So, when you go into the Vault of Time, uh, you, you start gaining that currency. You can leave at any time by talking to the curator. But when you leave, you lose all of that currency until you come back again. So you Wait, start, until you come back or even after? Even after. So you lose, you lose all that currency, so you have to spend it all on this trip. Oh. So the possibly one – I wouldn't say broken, but one of the biggest things for me is the standard health potions that give you 50 hit points. Heals you for 50 hit points. They cost one. So you have unlimited, basically. I bought uh, 60 my first go-round. <laughs> so now I have 60 in my inventory. I also bought some cool weapons, some armor for everybody. Uh, doing, like I started uh, the first floor of the Vault of Time at like level 18. Ended it at level 24. 
So I like this is a great way to level up. This is a this is a great way to just basically if I want to make the game a lot easier, just grind right here for a little while and then leave with See so that's the thing is like, you know, it, some things cost like 100 of these things or 50 or 250 stuff like that. And you'll always end up with like 11 currency left to which I'm just like, oh, I'm going to buy a bunch of health potions. I'll, oh, buy, yeah, I'll buy 11 health potions. Yeah. Yeah. Soak up all your excess. There is a caveat you cannot use items in the vault of time. So you can't keep going by using items. You can heal yourself using a skills, but you, you know, you'll eventually run out of mana. And you can't use the mana refilling items either? No. All all items are disabled in this. Hmm. So I did a lot of but, that. Yeah, it's pretty cool that you have that as an option to grind. Yeah. That's a good way to get items. I have to give it to Atlas, man. These guys, they put a lot of work into this game. Like kudos to them. They they improved. They improved Radiant Historia tenfold. It's a good sign when a good game gets a good upgrade. Yeah. I really wish you were playing this version, Matt. Yeah, me too. I don't make you. I don't want to make you feel bad for playing that one, but. <laughs> well, this is the classic. I'm. I'm. I am really enjoying it, so I'm not opposed to at some point after this playthrough picking up the perfect chronology version and playing through it again. Yeah. Okay. Uh Certainly, I mean, again, what I saw looked great from it, and so every new thing that you're describing is just one more reason that anybody should play that version. Absolutely. This is the best version of that game. So, uh, yeah, cut back to our timeline stuff after I grind it a little bit. Um, I decided to continue on with the standard history to where I finally talked to our informant in Grand Org. Uh, the informant tells Stock that uh, the mission is a very important one and we are to assassinate the princess, the daughter of the queen. Now, we've met the princess before in a cutscene and she seems like a kind of character that doesn't approve of what her mother is doing. She seems like a good person. Yeah, which is strange because at least some of the characters thought, well, if you're going to assassinate anybody, why not assassinate the person with the power, assassinate the queen? Exactly. And... We're working with Heiss on this, so the standard timelines when we're still with Heiss and the special intelligence. And from the get-go, we've always thought Heiss had some nefarious ideas in his head. And I can never tell in a game like this, is he nefarious because he looks nefarious or is that just to throw us off the trail 
right? Is that like a red herring? Because he he doesn't look like your average guy. He looks so much like a bad guy. It's either foreshadowing or it's a distraction. One of the two. I also had the pleasure of hearing him talk. Oh, I haven't heard that. And he talks like a shady person. So the voice actor who is portraying this guy is obviously trying to sound shady. Which which is in keeping with the fact that he looks shady. Yes. So um so that is the end of chapter one for the standard timeline. Um we now know our mission. We have to go and assassinate the princess of Grand Org. To which I said, that's pretty heavy. There's that word again. Why is everything heavy in the future? And so, that's a back to the future joke. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> we also, right, right before chapter two starts, we also learn Mana Burst. Yes. Which is a pretty cool ability for the boss. Is Yes. At least, at least one or two bosses I fought where that was... That was amazing. Yeah. There's a boss fight coming up in the alternate timeline that if I didn't have that mana burst, I think I would have lost it. <laughs> so, or maybe you're supposed to lose it. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so that's, you know, when a chapter basically ends, uh, Tio and Lipti show up and are like, okay, so we're going to add a new chapter to the White Chronicle. Um, do you want to continue from here? To which I then said, let me go to the standard or the alternate timeline and catch it up to the chapter two. So. Which, that's an interesting point because, you know, we talked a little bit about how the end of the game might be. I came across a random line that said the ending of the game depends on how much you've explored which timelines. I was kind of under the impression that this game was going to force you to go back and forth between timelines throughout the duration. Huh. But it looks like you may get to choose, you know, how much of each one you explore instead of having to explore both of them. I find it very interesting that they call the timeline the standard timeline where... I feel like the alternate timeline is the real one or is the good one. Yeah. I mean, you'd think if you are teaming yourself up with heist, that seems like not what the standard sort of canonical ending would be or canonical storyline. I feel like things are going to change for chapter two of the standard timeline. Like, they want us to assassinate the princess, and I think we're going to be like, she's not a bad person, we're definitely not assassinating her. Yeah. Why, why is Heist making us do this? Yeah, what's his real motive? Yeah. Now, I don't know, because I, I, I stopped there. And for this recording, I have not played any farther in the standard timeline. And the reason why is because I switched to the alternate timeline, and it just keeps going. And not only does it just keep going, but it's also pretty compelling. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of shit goes down in Chapter 2. Yes. So, it, well, I haven't made it to Chapter 2 just yet, 
in, as, as far as where, where I am right now or, or where I was at the beginning of this recording. So, um, the, uh, we, we're, we're back in the Sand Fortress. This is back when we're with Rosh's group. Uh, we've joined up with the, uh, uh, gosh, what is her, she's the, the Valkyrie, um, Viola. Viola? Yeah. Uh, she is, um, there getting ready to do a counteroffensive on the Grand Orc forces. Uh, we, uh, get some off time, and this is when I learned how to sword dance. I was going around, I went to talk to Keel. And he uh, showed me how to sword dance, and then, you know, I stopped right here. So to continue on with that, after we walk around the Sand Fortress a little bit talking to people, we go back to Rosh and Viola, and they are getting ready to march their troops uh, to uh, the plains. What is it called? The... The Grand Plains? Grand Plains, I think, yeah. The Grand Plains... Uh, to uh, launch a counteroffensive against the, the Grand Ark soldiers that are moving in. Uh, Viola and her troop is going to be going and doing that in the front, and they want Rosh and his group to stay back at the Sand Fortress and make sure that no Grand Ark forces try to come through. Um, we let them go, and during this time... Um, we have some, uh, commotion going on at the Sand Fortress. Uh, we notice that there is, uh, well, first we get, we get, um, word that Viola's troop basically didn't really run into that much resistance. It was kind of a diversion. And they're sending most of their forces to the Sand Fortress to take it back over. So, oh no, we got we got that information. As we're running back to the Sand Fortress, there's explosions. Somebody has set bombs in the Sand Fortress under our nose, and now everything's in disarray. Uh, this is why this game is so hard to talk about because I was I was following along with everything you're saying. So I have so many notes here now. Because I need them for this game. And then I was like, that's not what happened. Oh, that's what happened last, before the last recording for me. Yeah. So we have to change that. Because we can't yep. make it, we can't, we can't climb the sand fortress to get to the other side. So we have to figure out a way to stop the explosions from happening. Luckily, we learned the ability from the, the horned people that we can detect hidden things. So we travel back to a earlier node in this timeline. And as we're during our, during our downtime when we're talking to people, we can then go around the sand fortress and detect and find and disarm the bombs that have been planted there. So we let it play out again after disarming all the bombs. Once again, it's still a diversion, but now we're ready for it. The bombs don't go off, so the Sand Fortress is not in disarray. But we're we, we're now allowed to climb through the Sand Fortress to get to the other side of it and stop the Grand Org forces. 
Um, I should say there are a few boss fights here and there. Mainly, it's not even major, like one enemy or two enemies or something like that. It's mainly just a whole bunch of guys with a lot of health. Yep. And then you'll have like captains in there that just have more health, even though they're not like named even. Yeah. The issue there is they put down these, these tiles that heal them or give them more power. Which absolutely makes sense in a game where very, very early on you learned like the push left and push right mechanics. You know that they're gonna, there's gonna be more to sort of the grid layout that the enemies have. My biggest issue with that is, is that Stock is the only character that can push guys to the left or right. Rainy and Marco have yet to learn anything besides push or pull. Yep. And that really. And so far, all the, all, all of the grids have been sort of a column or a row. Yeah. So I'm just like, man, I gotta let Stock do all the heavy lifting here. He's also the one that does the double attack and the power hit, so I'm like, I need to use him three times, yeah. and neither of the other guys. Rainy is my mage. She is really good at using different types of magical abilities. And, you know, it's kind of made that way. Rainy learns fire, thunder, frost, and then, you know, you got Marco, who is basically your healer and buffer. And puller, because I often need, I often need to pull the enemies forward because the closer they are, the more damage you do. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but going through that, uh, we hold off the, uh, offensive to the, uh, sand fortress and are able to stop them from pushing. Uh, afterwards we then regroup and, uh, Rosh gets a message from General Hugo saying that he needs to go back to Alistair. Uh, he has entrusted Stock with staying with Viola and hoping to keep the Sand Fortress from attack again. And uh, Rosh decides to take Keel along with him. Because he wants another officer, I guess kills an officer. Um, and they go back to Alistel. We get word. This is also the, this is also the part where we find out about the thaw machines, right? Uh, yes, the 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 giant robots. So, um. I would say this game has a little bit of steampunk involved. Yeah, I, I think I would say that. Yeah, it's not a lot. It's not. Yeah, it's not hardcore steampunk, but yeah. But uh, yeah, the uh, Alistair has a guy who's been working on um, robotics, and uh, they've been mainly prototypes. Uh, they haven't really been used in combat, and he's been pushing really hard to get it. To work in combat. He looks like a bad guy. Is that Fennel? Fennel, That's yeah. Him. He looks like a bad guy. He yeah, everybody like, over here does. Yeah, he looks... Yeah, you go, heist. Fennel. They all look like bad guys. Uh, Fennel's like, I need raw data. He, he even talks like a bad guy. <laughs> he's, like, he, he's like a mad scientist almost. 
Yeah, I don't care who has to die. I need it. I need the data. Yeah. So he's like, all right, we're going to send them in uh, to the Sand Fortress, and uh, we'll post some of them there, and hopefully they'll see some action. We'll get some raw data on how well they work in combat. So uh, Stock, I think like a day later or two days later, Stock and Viola get word that Rosh has a new mission. Um, they're wanting him to push into toward Granorg through the plains. The and this Grand- is where you get chapter two on the alternate history. Yeah. So, um, the new plan is General Hugo has sent Rosh to the Grand Plains to start an offensive going against Granorg. The problem is, is that he didn't send a lot of troops along with Rosh. Yeah, well, he says it's a scouting mission. So is, I don't know if that was the rationale for not sending a lot of troops. Well, because it's not meant to be in a major offensive, I don't think. Yeah, and he was also he was also wanting uh, Viola and her group to basically follow suit. Um, after the scouting is done. So, yeah, to meet up with Rosh, take whatever intel he was able to find and bring it back to the Sand Fortress. Yeah. So, Rosh and his group, along with Keel, go to the Grand Plains. Stock decides, well, we're going to go meet up with him uh, and provide backup. So, um, we begin our, our journey to the Grand Plains. When we get there, uh, there's already troops there. And we're like, how the, how did they know that we were coming? Um, and we decide to look for Rosh. Uh, we get to some of his troops, uh, who have been, who have been attacked and, you know, they're, basically dead i mean they die in front of us they're yeah well that, that was that was the decision point right so you chose to defend so there was the decision of hold the north area or go look for rosh yeah that that happens right here where we see the dead troops yep and we're like oh no we we need to find we either we we go back because we get we get message from the sand fortress saying that there's um an assault heading toward the sand fortress. Uh, and so we have a choice. Do we go back to the sand fortress and try and help defend there? Or do we look for Rosh? I decided to look for Rosh. And I guess that's the correct one. Cause the game kept going. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure I went and looked for Rosh, and I thought he was dead. Yeah, but we changed the path. We changed. We changed something. If, yeah, we do next time. Yeah. So I didn't know if that was the right one or not. Well, yeah. So I decided to go look for Rosh. We go south. We see Rosh is surrounded by guys. He's gravely wounded, along with Keel. Um. We take on the the enemies that are surrounding him, beat all of them, 
and Rosh is laying there with Kiel, and they both die in front of us. Yeah, which in most most other times there's been a decision when somebody dies that was clearly the wrong choice. In this case, yeah, you're right. This might have been the right choice, although since neither of us chose to hold the north, I'm not sure what would have happened. Yeah. Uh, but after we kill all of the enemies there, we see that there is a document laying there. One of the one of the guys from the the enemy troop had a document detailing basically everything that was going to happen. They were there. They were sent there to wait on Rosh so they could ambush him, and uh, they uh, had a price on his head. So uh, Stock not taking this sitting down decides to uh time travel back to uh with the documents in hand back to uh tell viola hey this is going down we need to go now yeah don't let him go out there by himself on a scouting mission yeah well well, he still goes out on the scouting mission but she sends us earlier yeah, but I, I feel like the, I would have said something different. Either don't let him go or let's ambush the ambushers or something like that. Yeah. So they send uh, so they send stock out earlier along with a bunch of those robots. They up the uh they up the security basically. Because of that, we make it back to where we decide to either go back to the north to defend or look for Rosh. I look for Rosh again, and now Rosh is surrounded by a few guys. He's still badly wounded, but we're able to defeat those enemies. Uh, Rosh is still really, really badly wounded. He can barely walk, but um, he's alive. Uh, we get, we're getting Rosh up, and then more soldiers come in. Both Marco and Rainey say, go, Stock. We will hold these guys off. Get Rosh out of here. Now, you can choose to either stay and fight with them or leave with Rosh. If you choose to stay and fight, they say, stop being stupid and go with Rosh. Yep, that's exactly what I picked, too. Yeah. So, um... Because last time I picked not to, they both died, I think. Yeah, that's the thing I'm thinking, too. So, um... So we take uh, Kiel and Stock, take Rosh, who is wounded, uh, up north, basically. And we're trying to make it back to the Sand Fortress. Well, there, there was one other really cool, well, interesting statement that was made here. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. But one of the one of the assassins, his name was Palesen, Palesen. He said that killing Rosh was, was their mission. That's their only mission. Which I thought was interesting because so much of the battles and the skirmishes here have to do with taking the Sand Fortress, finding a way in or finding a way to, you know, overtake the Alistel members. I thought it was interesting that they knew Rosh would be there because of the letter and that that was their only mission. Right. So maybe slightly different than I originally envisioned them, the ambushers. You know, d- different than what I expected they were originally trying to do. Right. So, um, well, we'll find out why exactly in a minute. 
So uh, we uh, we're on the run. Stock and Kill are trying to help Rosh get out of the combat zone, basically. And uh, we're kind of in hiding. And we're like, we got to get, we got to make a way out of here. Kill's like, all right, I'll create a diversion. You get Rosh out of here. And Rosh is like, just leave me. I'm not going to make it. You guys get out of here. Save yourself. Get back to Alistair. Kill won't listen to reason. Will not listen to anything. And he says, I'm going. You can't stop me. So he runs out. And he gets all of their attention. He drives them away from, from Rosh and Stock. Stock then takes Rosh and leaves. And we see Kill get captured by the enemy. Fighting valiantly. Fighting valiantly. And he gets killed. Um, it fades to black and you hear a bunch of fighting and him saying, I'm sorry, I wish I could have done more. So, Kill is dead. Or at least we assume he is. Yeah, kind of a anticlimactic ending for him. If that is. You know, I mean, it's kind of heroic of him. He saved his commander. Yeah, true. He went out a hero. Yep. Um, so we get a small little exposition to which I thought, oh, I got a bad ending here. Yep, me too. I thought I thought it was gonna the whole game was gonna fade to black. Yeah. Especially with Keel, Keel dying, sort of was part of it. I'm like, well, all right. Every time somebody dies, it's because I messed up. Yeah. So um, we get a small exposition saying, well. We made it back to the Sand Fortress. Unfortunately, the Sand Fortress was then pushed back, so we couldn't uh, we couldn't hold it there. So we had to retreat back to Alistel. Uh, Rosh uh, came in and out of consciousness multiple times, but he is still alive. They got him in surgery at the uh, hospital there, and uh, we report stock reports back into. Uh, uh, Raul, Lieutenant Raul, and says um, there was one thing, like while we were waiting for, for Rosh in the hospital, uh, a doctor comes out and says he had a message for you. He woke up during surgery, <laughs> no less. He woke up during surgery and uh, had a message. He said that he heard some of the men, and they said it was orchestrated by him. And you need to tell Raul immediately. Yes. So, and this is, this is just after they, you know, as part of the, I thought I had a bad ending. They basically said, not you know, not only did Kiel die, but basically Rosh's brigade was annihilated. You know, everybody in Alistel was like depressed, lost their hope. And I was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> it really messed up. Really then, messed up. Doesn't look like it. Yeah, keeps going. So, uh, with uh, Rosh still in surgery, we go up to Raul. We tell Raul uh, Rosh's message. It says it's that man. And Raul's like, you know exactly who that man is. <laughs> it's General Hugo. General Hugo orchestrated this. 
And I guarantee you there is something in his office that links him to this. So, at the current moment, Raul is talking to the prophet Noah. So we sneak into his office. As we're looking around, a time bubble appears. <laughs> and out of that time bubble comes Heiss. A little bit like the bubble that the Terminator travels around in. Exactly. Except Heiss is not naked. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Heiss is there. Thank Noah. So Heiss is there, and he's like, uh, it, "This is this was great." Like I was listening to the voice acting. The voice acting is so good in this game. Um, uh, Heiss is there, and he's like, "Ah, you're you're looking for it, huh?" And he and Stock's like, "You know about it?" And he's like, "Of course I do. In fact, I have it, and I'll give it to you if you decide to come back and work for me." And uh, Stock's like, why me exactly? And he says, well, I'll give you the answer to that too. As long as I have my, your word that you'll come back and work for me. And, and wait, uh, this is alternate history? This is alternate history. Which which immediately made me think, well, he's clearly traveling between timelines as well. He must know what happens if I join him. And since um not in this timeline. He needs me back badly. Hmm. So, uh, Stock says, all right, I'll join you. And as he reaches for the document, Stock pulls out his sword and starts attacking Heiss. Oh, what a liar he is. I know. And Heiss is teleporting, time travel teleporting all over the room. And Stock's constantly trying to slash at him. He keeps missing. And he keeps, he, like, the guy who's doing the, uh, this, that keeps, that's doing the voice acting for Heist, like, as this is going on, he's like, that's my boy. Come on. You know, stuff like that. It's so good. Unleash the hate. Yeah. Join the dark side. So, um, uh, Stock's not, we, go ahead. I was say, then we actually get to fight him. Yeah. So Stock's not giving up, and he's like, all right, for real, let's do this. So we go into a fight with Heiss. The battle the battle sprite for Heiss is weird. <laughs> he looks as much like Blanca as he does like Heiss. He does. He's bent over. He has really long arms, and he swings them back and forth in his like static yeah. animation. And he has... The ability to suck the life out of stock and heal himself. And this For is. Sure, I'm not too. Yeah. It's like 70, 70 health, yeah. 70 damage. And this is where the mana burst came in real handy. Cause I feel like I was going to lose this fight. And so originally I said, I'm supposed to lose this fight. To which I attacked Heiss and it did a lot of damage to him. I'm like, wait, am I supposed to beat him? So I was like, all right, let's try this. So it was a battle of wills where he would heal. I would hit him. He would heal. I would hit him. 
I would heal, <laughs> then he'd hit me and heal him. And it, I was like, man, it just keeps going back and forth. So I was like, all right, let's do mana burst. Because I had, there was a part where Stock was going to attack twice. And then Heist was going to attack twice. I was like, all right, let me use mana burst and have him only attack once. And that gave me three attacks. So I was able to do a double attack, a double attack, and then heal myself. Heist then, of course, went in and healed himself, but then I did another double attack. And I didn't beat Heist. He, I, I guess I did enough damage to him where the fight went on long enough. And he said, you know, he, he was like, all right, so you're, you're persistent. And then it goes back to a cutscene. Yeah, I, I think Heist is too big of a... I think that's exactly what has to happen. Yeah. I think he's too big of a character to, to kill him, kill him. I think you just have to beat him, and then the story goes on. So, well, see, I didn't beat him. I didn't get his health all the way down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's what this means in this context. You don't beat him. You don't. You don't end his life. You don't kill him. But you just get him down to whatever ten percent or whatever. I wonder what would happen if could it could I die in this and get game over? I think you'd just get game over because really? I was pummeled. I didn't have much of trouble with this fight. Um. Because I was like loaded up on MP, so I was just doing double hits to him every t- every single time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, he was it, it basically it was just it was a standard fight until he got down to the ten percent, and then it like cuts out. All right. I think that's what happens every time. So as um, as we quote unquote beat Heiss, uh, as we're fighting. Uh, General Hugo and his men hear some commotion coming from his office. Um, it distracts Heiss, and he drops the document that links Hugo to the ambush assassination attempt. And Stock grabs it and does his little time travel teleport. And Heiss is like, man, he learned that from me from one fight. He is truly an impressive man. He's the chosen one. He is the chosen one. And he said, it is exactly what I would expect from the wielder of the White Chronicle. Yep. Uh, Hugo then comes in. He's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I was looking for a rat, and he escaped. And he's like, did he escape with my document? He's like, yes. He's like, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) We got to get it back. (laughs) And so he's like, all right, we're locking down... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I love how Heist like calls him out for it. Says maybe you shouldn't leave this laying around. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should have destroyed that a while ago. And he's, <laughs> yeah, because when you've got cheese laying around, the rats come in. <laughs> yeah. And, he, <laughs> and uh, Hugo was like, "Well, I had to keep it, you know, for his, for the until the assassination attempt. Otherwise, I couldn't have anything to hold against them if they didn't do it." So, See, this is where I really wish I was playing a version with the voice acting because. I couldn't tell just from the words exactly how Hugo was responding to Heiss. Because in my mind, he was like shitting himself, coming up with excuses, and kind of blubbering around a little bit. But that might not have at all been what was happening. I don't know because I didn't have voice actors. It definitely didn't sound like that. It sounded like Heiss and Hugo basically, yeah, well, you screwed up. Well, yeah, you screwed up, you know, kind of thing. So Yeah, because... There's so many ways you could take that. At first, I thought like Heist is like the all-knowing like parental figure, and Hugo was a bit, you know, he was being scolded a little bit, and he was kind of taking it, trying to 
you know, well, I had to do this, you know, basically coming up with excuses, you know, or, you know, or were they like equal in level and they're both sniping at each other? That was basically what I got from it. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, again, voice acting, I I think, would have added a ton, especially to this scene. Yeah. So uh, Hugo's like, all right, we're locking down the city. We're not letting anybody in or out until we get this traitor. So we cut to Stock. He's now kind of in hiding in and around Alistair, and he's telling, he's talking to himself at this point, saying, okay, they're going to be looking for me. They're not going to get me out of here. Also, Rosh is in major danger. <laughs> and he's helpless. And he's helpless in the hospital. I'm going to have to get him out of here, too. And that is where I stopped. So getting pretty interesting. Yeah, a lot happened. And, uh, if they stick with these characters, I really like kind of the double crossing. You don't know who's working with who exactly, and who's you know what the long the long term plan is, or you know each sort of faction's objectives. Because there's a couple of other little things. One thing that snuck up when we were in the Sand Fortress that I wonder what impact it's going to have on the rest of the game they made a couple of very clear implications that viola was sick she was coughing a lot trying to hide it from people that's right yeah so that that i thought was well enough handled i mean it was very fairly obvious what they were doing but they also didn't follow up on it so it was just a yeah she's sick and she's trying to hide it okay next part of the story and so that something like that's got to come back yeah at some point, and then this business between Heist and Hugo certainly is intriguing. Uh, so, yeah, I'm 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 kind of interested in all the threads and how they're how they're fitting together at this point. Yeah, and that's the thing is, this is all just one timeline. I have yet to go back and do any of Chapter Two in the standard timeline where we're actually working with Heist. Yeah. So with all this information that we have, what's really going down, and we're working for the bad guy? Yeah, who's the bad guy? Exactly. Yeah, uh, I'm liking it right now. Yeah, it's getting really interesting. So, I mean, I feel like I didn't put that much time into it, but I actually put about eight hours into it this week. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I grind... I grind for about two hours once I got to the vault of time. Because when I realized, oh, well, uh, healing potions are only a dollar, <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, that's as far as we made it, or as far as I made it. I know, Matt, you made it a little bit farther, but don't want to go there. Yeah. We do have an email. Uh, this email comes in from uh, Jason, and uh, it's titled Multiple Timelines. And it says, hey guys, I've been listening to the podcast about Radiant Historia. Unfortunately, I do not have either system it is on, so I cannot play along. I am very curious to hear the rest of the game and more about the evil Leaper. Will it be a love interest like in Quantum Leap? Uh, you were discussing the multiple timelines in other media. One example of someone living multiple timelines and using information from one to affect the other will be the last episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. All good things. 
where Picard is bouncing between three timelines trying to prevent the end of the human race and causing it instead. Another that came to mind was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> Which is very relevant at yeah. this time, point in time. Exactly. They're making a third movie. <laughs> and they're old. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it says, especially the scene where they need to uh, get into the police station. So they decide that after their adventure is over, they will travel back in time to before the events and place keys in a certain spot where they <laughs> where they find them immediately after making the decision in the present. The last one, if you want your brain to twist a few more, is Primer. A couple of guys create a time machine that you can turn on, leave running, enter the machine at the end, and be able to time travel back to when the machine started running, turning it Such on, a good movie. turning it, turning, turn it on in the morning, enter it in the evening, come back out, come back out, back in the morning with what the stock market is going to do. Interesting version of time travel. And obviously it's very complicated. Keep gaming, Jason. I have not seen primer. Um, it, it basically looks like they set that up because. You know, so many people say, well, time travel into the future might be possible, but you can't time travel into the past in, in general terms. And so they, I, I think part of, part of that movie that was so interesting was they said, yeah, you can't travel into the past be, beyond when you turn the machine on, basically. Okay. So it, it creates almost like a set point. It's a really, really good movie. Low budget, but just absolutely fantastic. Is it, is it a serious movie, a comedy? Serious. Okay. Is it violent? No, it's not violent. It's more mind melting. Okay. Trying to figure out exactly what happened because they keep it. It's a little bit mysterious the way, you know. It's just it. it it's kind of a from nothing situation where they just kind of discover some weird things happening in their because they're they're like inventors in their garage, and they find some weird things happening, and then they find a way to expand that up into so they they find out that like uh you know this coin or something has some mold on it that takes months to grow They're like well that's not possible it wasn't on it before and they find out that it had like traveled through time and then they without giving anything away they they, they expand that up to where it's the size to where they can get inside it and travel themselves huh. and they're trying to sort of avoid their past selves and there's a lot of trying to figure out exactly what's happening and which version of which person is doing which thing. So it, it's a really cool little like mystery or puzzle, I guess. Right. The only thing I can think of is, uh, you know, Bill and Ted, like going back and thinking about Bill and Ted was when they, <laughs> they go back in time deliberately just to remind, Hey, make sure you set your clock. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, thanks, man, <laughs> and, then, and they, that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bill and Ted's actually a pretty fun movie. If anybody's never watched it, I'm sure everybody has at this point. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I guess I need to watch Primer. It sounds interesting. Yeah, I certainly should. I wonder if it's on Netflix. It was at one point. I don't know if it is currently, but it certainly was. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's definitely something to look out for. But, uh, yeah, that's it for us. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, it's drew at ztgd.com. Um, 
You can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, yeah, shoot us some emails. I know there's some people out there that were playing along with us. Uh, let us know uh, what your thoughts on Radiant Historia are so far. Um, it's getting interesting, and now that I have a way to grind, maybe I won't have a difficult time. And I don't mind grinding in this game for some reason. Yeah, I'm not sure if I will be able to. Or if I can just, I guess since I can time travel, I can just always go back and keep replaying the same point, right? That's true, yeah. Which, I guess in this game makes more sense than in other games, since it's literal time travel. The the only thing is, is like, Rainy and Marco are not time traveling with you. How are they keeping the levels? That's a pretty good point. Yeah. But anyway, we'll 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 leave you we'll leave you on that time paradox. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. You guys have a a good one. Uh, but until next time, I am Drew, and I'm Matt, and we're out of here. We'll catch you guys next week with a continuation of Radiant Historia.